Even if you don't live in New York, you probably know about Rikers Island if you watch Law & Order episodes. It's the jail complex that the prosecutors on the show often threaten to send suspects to and where they often plea bargain with the incarcerated. It's also a jail notorious for extraordinary violence and brutality. A report in April by a federal monitor said guards use brutal force against inmates at an alarming rate and the fights among inmates have grown. The city has spent hundreds of millions of dollars to improve conditions at Rikers to no avail. Now, after increasing public and political pressure to close down Rikers, New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio has come out with a plan to shut the jail down over a 10-year span. But there are a lot of ifs to making it work. My guests are Michael Mushlin, professor at Pace University Law School, and Jonathan Blanks, a researcher at the Cato Institute. Let's begin with both of your reactions to de Blasio's plan. Michael, why don't you start? Sure. Well, I think it's a very sensible plan that I think is in the interest of all New Yorkers. Rikers Island really has become uh, a notorious place. I called it in an op-ed I wrote recently, A Devil's Island. Uh, it's isolated, it's violent, it's, it's, it's uh, wasteful. And uh, I think the decision to close it, while it's very difficult to accomplish is a very sensible one, and I think it will benefit all of us. And I, I think uh, the, the mayor's responding to a, a report of a uh, commission that studied this subject for a while and that, uh, would, that was head, but headed by the chief judge of the New York State, the ex-chief judge, of, the retired chief judge of New York State, uh, that recommended this. And, um, and uh, I think it's a, 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 I applaud the mayor for endorsing the report of the Lipman Report. All right. Jonathan, what's your reaction? Uh, I, too, was uh, impressed with the report. I think his plan is, it correctly identifies a lot of the problems with Rikers and jails generally. Uh, it's not a perfect plan, but uh, the, goals, the, the goals that he listed to, you know, find different ways to reduce the number of people that are going to be in there in the first place is very laudable. Um, I think one of the things that isn't quite mentioned in the plan, but I think people need to think about is using uh, a cage as a remedy to social ills is not necessarily the best thing. It should be the last, uh, the last remedy uh, to, uh, for people who commit crimes. If people can be released on their own recognizance, as 70% of the people are, that's good, but there's still a very large population there that are subject to these abuses. And I think finding more and better ways, some of which were outlined in his plan, are, is a very good step forward. The plan calls for reducing the inmate population down to 5,000. New York City had a record low crime rate last year. So, Michael, how will that be done? Well, uh, first of all, I think that it's important to point out that, the, that most of the people on Rikers Island have not been convicted of any crime. They're, they're being held while awaiting trial. It's also important to note that 65% of that way, that, that over two-thirds of them only spend about 30 days in Rikers Island. So the notion of this is, we're not talking about a prison where people have been convicted and, and they're, being sent to, they're being sent to prison for uh, rehabilitation, for punishment, for, for, for safety of the community. So that's one thing to talk about. And so really the way, so, so, and that short period of time that so many people spend there may not seem that significant, but it's highly disruptive, it's highly expensive, and we're punishing people 
who haven't been convicted. Um, so it's really important to try to figure out smart ways to reduce that that uh, that population, and it can be done. There really are three basic techniques that we've already begun to implement, and that have led to a significant reduction. At its height, there were 20,000 people that were held on Rikers Island about 20 years ago, and now we're down to about 10,000. And this plan is to reduce it to 5,000. And the way to do that is to is to uh, come up with alternatives to bail, to reform the bail system, to figure out rather than putting a dollar amount on who who goes to prison, who goes to, I'm sorry, who goes to jail and who goes to Rikers Island, to make assessments, realistic assessments of really who is going to need to be detained, rather than just put a a number on it. You know, the the number is usually around $2,000, and if a person has that $2,000, they buy their way out. That that really doesn't make sense in two ways. There are people that can't afford the $2,000, and then they, they go to prison, they go to jail essentially because they're poor. Or there are people, there are some people for whom we don't really, we, we don't want them to buy their way out because they're either not going to come back to trial or because maybe they pose a threat. I've been talking with Michael Mushlin, professor at Pace University Law School, and Jonathan Blanks, a researcher at the Cato Institute, about New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio's plan to shut down Rikers Island prison over a 10-year span. And there are a lot of ifs involved in this. Jonathan, an independent commission created by the city council that we were talking about before called for state law reforms such as reclassifying criminal offenses such as fair evasion, marijuana possession in public view, and gravity knives as civil offenses. Bill, the mayor has not said, has not approved that. Um, is that something that we should be thinking about? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to think about changing in jail policy, you also have to think of the inputs, and that's going to be policing policy. So when the police are out there giving summonses or making arrests for whatever it is, you know, they if they continue to use the criminal law to move them into jail, that's just going. There's nothing uh, Rikers can do about that if they have to take them in. So making these civil offenses can reduce the jail population and reduce the stress on trying to find places to house these people. And, Michael, is this really then a plan for criminal justice reform as well? Well, I I think it is, and I think we could even make it more so, actually. Um, um, uh, One way I think we could really make it much more comprehensive is if we use use the, the land that is available on Rikers Island to to bring back people who are serving prison sentences in far-flung places in New York State. 58% of New York State, New York City people who are sentenced to prison are sentenced 200 miles away from New York. Many of those people are parents. There's 105,000 children who have a, who have a parent in prison. Uh, all the research shows that if those people were held closer to the communities from which they come, we would get far more benefit, uh, far less recidivism, far more reintegration into the community. And so I propose, and I wrote an op-ed on this that was published by the Daily News about a month ago, 
that once we close Rikers Island for pretrial detainees, we should seriously consider using that, that location, which is remote for pretrial detainees, but is ironically not at all remote for people who are serving New York City people who are serving prison sentences to create, to, to build prisons, to use that space for, for prisoners. Okay, speaking um, of uh, prisoners, uh, Jonathan, in, in new jails, the there's a question that may be a hurdle, and that's building smaller jails in each of the boroughs to replace Rikers, and there are no specific details on that in de Blasio's plan. Isn't that bound to bring opposition from residents in those boroughs? Uh, most certainly. I mean, the, the sort of not-in-my-backyard quintessential example is jails. No one wants them in, in, their, uh, in their neighborhoods. But we really have to think about what we're trying to do, what they're trying to do here. And that is, you know, trying to make a community-based system for, uh, for rehabilitation and to just basically the community takes care of its own people. And I think that's a good idea. I think it's going to be a long, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, it's going to be a long haul trying to convince people that it is the right thing to do. But I think if you can convey the benefits of not necessarily throwing people in cages, getting people into rehab, getting them the mental health uh, services that they need, that communities may may become more uh, open to these uh, these new buildings. And. Michael, this also contains actually $1 billion in capital improvements just to keep the infrastructure at Rikers over the next 10 years. Is that a lot to spend on a prison that's going to be, you know, not used any longer? Well, I think two things. One is I think that can fit into what I said earlier. Uh, That is a lot of money to spend, but Rikers Island right now is really a very dangerous place where people are really being harmed significantly, not only the people that are being held there, but the, the, the staff that works there. And so it's really imperative that we meet minimal constitutional standards wherever we hold people. And so uh, I think that that, spend, that that expenditure is essential, so especially since we're talking about it, at least a decade uh, in the transition. But if we were to use that money to renovate those facilities, we would then have places that we could use for, for prisoners. The other thing that I would say about locating the, the, the jails that, that are going to be uh, needed in the, in the boroughs outside of Rikers Island, I want to second what uh, Jonathan said about that and, and, and also say we already have 2,500 people in, in jails in the local boroughs, so this isn't a new thing. Also, we would be locating them in areas near courts, so it's not talking about putting them into, into uh, purely, residential, purely residential areas. And also so, the other thing to say is that most of these people are nonviolent people. So, Jonathan, what is your opinion about whether the closure of Rikers within 10 years is likely to happen? Um, well, 10 years is a long time, and politics shift, and if there's a, like an increase in crime or if there's you know a, a new mayor that comes in that doesn't want to do it, obviously that's, uh, that, that could change things directly. I, I, I don't know how likely it is, but I hope it, I hope it happens. And I think any, any way to try and lower the number of people in there is uh, an attempt worth making. And, Michael, about uh, a minute left – 
What's your opinion about whether this can be done in 10 years? I think it can definitely be done in 10 years. I think it's going to take the will to do it. I, I, it's really so wonderful that we have uh, an elected official that, that's running the city of New York who has committed to doing this, and the, 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 the city council is also on board. And, and I think it's going to, you know, I think if we have a commitment to making a more sensible, safer, smarter system, one that really benefits the people of New York. I think I think we've shown as a city we can make these things happen. All right. Well, thank you both. That's Michael Mushlin, professor at Pace University Law School, and Jonathan Blanks, a researcher at the Cato Institute. That's it for this edition of Bloomberg Law. We'll be back Monday at 1 p.m. Wall Street time. Thanks to our producer, David Sutcherman, and our technical director, Chris Tricomi. Coming up next, Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson. So, Corey, what's coming up? We've got a really cool guest, a CEO of a company called Service Master. It's a $5 billion company that does a lot of sort of disaster response, home warranty, residential commercial stuff. Really fascinating company. We're going to talk to that CEO in just a little bit. We'll be listening. That's Bloomberg Markets with Carol Masser and Corey Johnson. You've been listening to Bloomberg Law. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg. <laughs> 